This is Lee and Kate Reach welcoming you to episode 4 of the Education Transformation Podcast. This week's topic is Education, Professional Development, Communities of Practice. So Kate, in this discussion, we're going to talk about the importance of a professional community of practice. You know, I heard um, earlier in the year an elite sports team who was expected to do so much during their season actually produced so little. And in reflection, their uh, operations manager uh, was interviewed and said, you know, we had everything in place. We had all of our elite coaches in place. We had all the players that we thought we needed. We've got all the programs and the budget to meet those needs. But we failed to create a community within our club. Mm. And without the community, that's why we failed and the season was so dismal. Because we didn't have trusting relationships underpinning everything we were trying to do. Really important. You know, so many organisations, training organisations, will spend, you know, between 5 to 10% of their annual budget on professional development. Uh, and often that professional development is only influencing those individuals, those selected individuals, uh, to make a difference. Um, and in so doing, there's no community. No, and a lot of it, even those few people that do it, it doesn't necessarily stick either or mm. translate into practice. Mm. You know, this I go to a lot of webinars. I do a lot of online training. Um, and a lot of it doesn't stick. Yes, yes. Um, Even those face-to-face conferences. Yeah, exactly. That, that programs conferences, workshops. Expect folks to attend, yes. yes. And, and they are costly either to the organisation yeah, sure. or the individuals. So sure. the community practice is another, another way of undertaking professional development it is it is um and i've i've been involved with with a number of uh uh communities of practice in over a number of years and they're actually really successful they're actually really positive empowering for all participants um because when people enter a community of practice gathering professional development discussion so it'll be on a specific topic it can be on assessment can be on uh, currency can be on um, some some issues associated with uh, formalising training resources, things like that. Um, but when they come in, all views are equal. Yeah. So the ranking process is left outside the door. Yeah. The thing I really like about community of practice is that it draws people together who are like-minded. They have the same goal or focus. They could be long-term communities of practice or it could be a short-term one mm, as yeah, well, yeah. focusing on something specific. Yeah. So it's quite directed and targeted at what you're wanting to learn or develop in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And and because people are there with a common interest, as in they want to be there, um, then uh, those that that short investment can have dramatic um, positive effects upon the organisation. I think what you raised then was a really important point that people have to want to be there. Mm. It can't be something that you have to go to. Yes. Um, if people have to go to them, then it's it's just not going to work or it's going to be tainted or people, yes. some people are going to work well together and the others may 
um, interrupt the process or it might fall apart completely. So it's really important that everyone wants to be there and be part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And uh, so community practice, it's generally a program process. So it will happen maybe three or four times a year. Um, It will be set up and focused upon uh, key topics, but there may be a theme within those topics. Mm -hmm. So perhaps you might run, say, one-hour sessions um, for three weeks, and and that's it. Um, And it might be a theme on, say, assessment, or it might be standalone subjects that you're discussing. It might be one facilitator that is actually presenting the topic and guiding the conversation. And in time, as the community practice develops and people gain in confidence, then, of course, that facilitation process is shared. But obviously, with all facilitation, it's a facilitator process that everybody is expected to contribute and be a part of it. So when we're thinking about perhaps starting a community practice or being involved in one, what sort of size are we looking at? How many members would be a good place to start? Well, um, so in my experience, uh, you know, I'll be working with uh, faculty groups that may be made of 60. You know, uh, total numbers might be 60, 65, something like that. Um, and we will look at it and sit down with the executive and actually have the executive divide the faculty into six groups, uh, as an example. And so when they're coming in to be a part of the community of practice, then they're coming in uh, in groups of 10, maybe a dozen. Um, and, and in that way, it allows time and opportunity for everyone to contribute. Yeah. How small do you think would be too small? And who, how big would be too big? Uh, I have, you, you certainly don't want to run groups any more than, say, 15 mm-hmm. uh, because then people can hide or then people can dominate. Yeah. And then it becomes a standard professional development process, which is, which is not always constructive, as we've spoken about. Um, so you don't want to be running a workshop. You want to be running a community of practice where everybody is contributing and... Uh, and uh, opportunity for everybody to speak and share their views because they're equal. Their views are equal. Um, how small? Um, I've also run it with groups of, uh, say, six, and, and that works, but it's better if you have groups of around eight to 10 to 12 mm-hmm. uh, because then you generate some, some activity and some energy within the room. Yeah. So I guess when people are coming in or wanting to know about a community of practice that they need to be prepared that you actually have to be involved it's not a passive process you have to come in with prepared thinking about topics you know what could I share how can I assist others what could I contribute and so it's not about this passive just give me information is that correct? No, no, but that's the great thing because yeah. as educators, we often will walk into a professional development process feeling like, what are you going to be able to teach me? You know, I'm an yeah. educator. What you, and, and we're the worst group to try and educate. We um, don't often engage well. Not at all. No, we're often very resistant, even the best of us. Um, whereas this process breaks down all of that before they walk through the door because if you publicise it correctly prior and prepare people correctly prior then they're coming in with the knowledge that their views are important and people want to hear what they've got to say. 
So you talked about that in the ones you've been facilitating, there's a facilitator, you, um, and you have a topic. So could you just talk about what one of your sessions would look like, sort of the general outline and how it's implemented? Um, So it might be, um, you know, how to enhance uh, student retention, as in their knowledge, the retention of knowledge and skills between one session to the next. so in that process, uh, you then you then gather your cohort together, your your community of practice, and you might open up the discussion, and you might present it from the context, always present it from the context of how can we make your life as an educator easier and less stressful, mm. um, and 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 if people see the relevance to it, and knowing that it's only going to go for an hour, maybe an hour and a half, then they're willing to contribute early on, and be a part of it. Uh, because it just may make tomorrow a little less stressful for them. Um, so in that context, we were seeking to uh, help our, house, our various student cohorts retain information from session to session so that there wasn't so much time spent on revision from yeah. one session to the next. Um, and immediately the relevance became became apparent to all concerned, and everyone contributed. And I think by the end of that series... Uh, we had documented four, 46 different teaching techniques and teaching tips that we had collated together. Now, that's significant in any organisation. Yeah. So did you have formal activities for them to do? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I did. So, um, but, but formal just to generate the conversation. Mm-hmm. So um, often we'll look at things like uh, workstations just to generate some conversation. So we might run a short video in, in one workstation and another, another small group will be uh, uh, looking at a questionnaire and collating their professional views and their findings. And then we, we gather back together and we discuss you know, collectively our views and what our opinions are. So that's just one example of how the process can play out. Um, but it's, it's always been quite, quite rewarding. A very different approach um, and, and some really positive outcomes when you benchmark it against traditional professional development. Yeah. You also said that you have them for about an hour, hour and a half. Is there a reason for that? Uh, there is. There, uh, uh, it's, it's important to be very clear on the retention of the information. Yeah. So it's really important. It, it's also uh, to, 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 to structure it in such a way that the, that the faculty can retain the information and walk out and actually walk into their teaching session in the afternoon and implement some of those approaches if they wish. Um, it's also important because... Um, uh, people's views uh, needed to be shared and you do need enough time for that to occur um, it needs to be succinct because we're all busy and yeah. our teaching timetables are restrictive so an hour and a half is really positive and really punchy um, and proactive and people see it for what it is and there's no there's no uh, time for explaining how great I am or how great someone else is. It's all about the process and uh, it's all about making a difference within one another's lives. So you create strategies to help each other is basically Absolutely. the purpose? that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, do you find having the shorter time also creates momentum because people aren't jaded by the end of a day or half a day and so Absolutely. they can just keep going? 
um, they're happy to come back and generate new ideas, new topics. Yes. So there's there's no time for uh, switching off mentally. Um, if you think about, uh, we might, you know, present a small lecturette, short lecturette for maybe 20 minutes, uh, so a short lecture, um, and then it's uh, activities that are taking place, sharing of knowledge, sharing of information, sharing of ideas, um, and then coming together and debriefing. There's your session. There's your hour or an hour and a half. It goes pretty quick. Um, and uh, and it's a shared process. So when we walk out, we've all learned something. Yeah. I could foresee this having a facilitator that, you know, someone does three sessions and it moves to someone mm. else in the group. So there's a shared burden as well about organising and those type of things. Exactly. That's right. Um, and as the community of practice model matures, that's exactly what happens. So often uh, after about the third um, series, so over a short three-week period, so that might be over an eight-month period that spreads out to be, um, then uh, you see the faculty being confident enough to say, actually, I'd like to run this topic because uh, this has had a profound influence upon my teaching practice over the years. And that's fantastic. That's what it's all about. It's about encouraging others to actually take over that facilitation process because then you've got a real community occurring. I would think for that as well, it would need to be on a semi-regular basis, as in monthly, bi-monthly, would be ideal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Probably uh, bi-monthly or quarterly is ideal. That's right. And then you keep the momentum going. Yeah. Well... It also, I think, lends itself to perhaps less formal. Like, it wouldn't have to be totally organised. If you just had interest groups, they could perhaps splinter off if they wanted to. Sure, yes. And and, and perhaps um, there's the flexibility built into that process as the, uh, as the, as the model gets established within the organisation. Um, there's no reason at all why you couldn't say, all right, you know, we're going to run one on uh, a topic of e-learning and we're also running a topic almost like breakout sessions yeah um and then the faculty can splinter off um, to where their interests lie it seems like there's endless endless opportunities and topics or strategies that could be generated from these type of sessions Mm, mm. I, i think look from what i've observed it's very rewarding for uh for all stakeholders Mm. sounds really good If you'd like to learn more about this topic and other professional development opportunities, visit www.transformationconsultancy.com.au.